Welcome to FedSpeak, brought to you by MI Market News. I'm Pedro da Costa, and I'd like to welcome to the podcast today my colleague, David Robinson. He's based in London and covers the Bank of England. And the reason I wanted to bring him on is there are quite a few similarities at the moment between the scenarios facing the Fed, which I cover more closely, and the BOE. Um, but there are also quite a few differences, so we're, we wanted to sort through some of them today. So thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you. So let's start with what the two central banks have in common, maybe. Uh, the problem of high inflation, of course. Over here, we've had the whole transitory debacle uh, that kind of embarrassed the Fed, and then the taper, which many people believe left them behind the curve because they had to taper before they started raising rates. Now we have CPI above 8%, and officials are playing catch-up by signaling more aggressive hikes. But it, it's a little bit different over there, right? So what's the inflation picture in the UK, and, and when do policymakers there expect price pressures to ease? It's not that different. The latest forecast from the bank is for inflation to peak just over 10%. That's in the fourth quarter of this year. Why are they so precise? Well, here you have regulated energy prices. So the next price cap, the next rise comes in in October, and that's when you see inflation peaking. Now, in the nice bank forecast, you then have a nice steady downhill path all the way after that. The question is how much place, what faith you place in those forecasts. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I meant different in the sense that they're not signaling as aggressive a move, right? That the, the BOE is being a little bit more measured. I guess, you know, my next question is about recession fears. Uh, they exist in both countries, but they seem a little bit more imminent in the UK. And that's why we've gotten more dovishness despite those inflation forecasts that you cite. Yeah, I mean, firstly, fiscal position. This uh, colleagues at MI have done this work on fiscal positions. And you find the UK in their estimate has the second tightest, I think, in the advanced economies. I think the only one that's tighter is Greece, which always has some issues. US, you had a very large fiscal stimulus, which you know is still washing through, um, much less here. So you're talking about an economy that was already struggling. It has weak productivity, pretty weak growth. Further shocks, you do worry about recession and initially the stance of the treasury was well we've got a balanced budget rule we want to get back to balance therefore we've got fiscal tightening now if you got all of that you end up with fiscal and monetary policy going in the same direction both tightening on a weak economy you do start to worry about recession and the forecasts banks central forecasts are for growth of sub one percent on the year that tells you you've got almost no margin for error on this. Therefore, the Governor Andrew Bailey, he has this thing, he talks about the fine line or walking the line. It's a little bit Johnny Cash. But you can see where you're going. You're saying you have to tread carefully. And so far, the majority view on the bank is to support gradualism. But of nine members, three vote for 50 basis points. Some people think we should just get on and do it. This gradualism is going to work. Majority view so far has been 25 basis points each meeting. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about the guidance is happening because here Powell seems to have gotten enough people behind the idea of two more 50 basis point hikes, and that's sort of as much forward guidance as we have. Do you have a sense of what the next few meetings will bring there? Well, the guidance is an interesting one because you have a governor who, unlike his predecessor, Mark Carney, is no great fan of forward guidance 
as he points out, in a time of maximum uncertainty, does anyone really believe it? So I, there is no consensus, really no guidance from the bank on how high they are going to have to go. You can look at their forecasts. You can look at their forecasts based on market rates. You can say, well, that's an indicator. But no one has been bold enough to say one more 25 or 150 will do it. So you're really getting very close to a point where the only guidance is the majority think more tightening is likely. And then they're leaving people to decide based on simply the projections they have for where inflation heads. But we are at a time when guidance is almost irrelevant, I'd say here. What's, what's the UK or the BOE's view on inflation expectations? Because here, officials tend to place not only a lot of emphasis on expectations, but as, as short-term expectations have picked up, they've kind of shifted the goalposts toward, well, long-term inflation expectations are really well anchored. And they really love that five-year, five five-year forward, which suggests that over this, you know, the, the second five years of the next 10 years, inflation will come down. Uh, it seems like a lot to hang your hat on given the difficulty of predicting today and tomorrow. But how does the UK approach expectations? It's a good question. The, the short answer is inflation expectations are there in the model. And they do have this strange magnetic quality. Whereas inflation tends to dra get dragged down to the target and you assume that people think the target is correct. In practice, the bank itself has published research showing both household and business expectations are a bad predictor of future inflation. So how much weight you really want to place on them is a moot point. So you, the policymakers themselves, publicly or to an extent, and certainly privately, can play down the importance of inflation expectations. So I think when people make a big song and dance about, oh, they, they place far too much weight on this, I'm not so sure they always do. It's certainly there in the latter stage of the forecast that you, you see that effect. But are they really confident? Well, one indicator, if you look at the constant rate forecast, if they do nothing, it shows you get a modest inflation overshoot. The market rate one shows it going below. But then you've got the whole, the bulk of members on the committee saying we need to tighten further and three of them voting for 50. So how much weight do they really place on that final point in the forecast? Also in the UK, you've got additional problems. I mean, the, the, if you do things like break even rates, they're based on index and gilts. Index and gilts are linked to RPI. RPIs can be abolished. It's going to be replaced by CPI. So further out, you have to make all these technical adjustments even to decide what you think the market is telling you. So that becomes a bond fight between strategists and the bank as to what the market is actually saying. And if you do the technical breakdowns, there is a suggestion that UK inflation expectations are not holding that well, it, you know, both short term and further out. So it's not a great, it's not providing a great deal of reassurance to policymakers here. Thanks for that. I, mean, I find it fascinating because it's hard to argue that psychologically, you know, there hasn't been a change in terms of how often we see headlines about inflation, how often people complain about inflation in surveys, yeah. and even how often businesses uh, argue that it's affecting their, their forward planning. So it's a fascinating. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you look at people like Catherine Mann, who are making the argument for acting early and more aggressively, it's Exactly that, that she thinks if you don't act now, you won't change that psychology. You can't allow that psychology to become embedded. Well, really interesting conversation. Thank you so much, David, for, for coming on FedSpeak today. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure.